What's going on, everybody? Welcome to another edition of the Equalizer podcast. I'm your host again this week, Jeff Kasouf. And this week, I am joined by Andre Carlisle. You know him from Black and Red United, Diaspora, Diaspora United podcast. And uh, Andre, welcome. Thank you for coming back and uh, chatting some NWSL playoffs, World Cup draw. We got a lot going on. <laughs> so much going on. And I'm really happy to be here, especially given the games that we had. I'm so hyped. Yeah, so so we're going to get into it. Um, if you're listening along with us, a, a big news weekend, a, a long weekend for for those of us covering it in the U.S. Certainly, with the uh, <laughs> the starting with the the 2 a.m. Eastern wake up on the uh, the World Cup draw. We will get to the World Cup draw, which is obviously very big global news, and where that leaves, particularly the U.S., the group, and the pathway to uh, the final. And um, we will also get to and start with the NWSL playoffs, which are our front and center here. And it's, it's championship week now, which is uh, always a busy and, and big week. We've got, we've got a few months to talk world cup groups. So just out, out of the gate here, your NWSL championship 2022, it is Kansas city current versus Portland thorns FC Portland advancing two to one over San Diego wave on Sunday and Kansas city advancing in Seattle over Oil rain two nil uh, in the late game on Sunday. And um, I think, Andre, we have to start with the Crystal Dunn goal. I I mean, I think, you know, we've seen some late goals in this playoffs, record late goals, Kansas City advancing in that first game on the latest regulation goal in league history, 10 minutes in the second half stoppage time. Crystal Dunn's goal uh, comes a few minutes in the stoppage time. Doesn't quite break a record, but... I mean, for me, that's a goal, even without being at Providence Park, which I've been to a few times and and wasn't able to for this semifinal. But I don't think, I mean, that's an unforgettable goal. Um, What what was that moment? You know, a a two to one victory for the Thorns to advance them to the final. Crystal Dunn coming back, you know, from uh, five months removed from giving birth to to her first child. Um, What was that moment like for you? Oh, it, it was just absolute. I was, it was it was ridiculous. I I threw out you know I I tweet during the game and I threw out a little tweet like you know I want Crystal Dunn to score the match winner so I can like ascend from this earthly plane or something ridiculous like that and it, and then it happened and I just like lost it. It was one of the best moments I think for her personally, knowing her you know her career you know from college on through um, time with the U.S. Women's National Team and then of course with pregnancy and you know you were able to chronicle you know her recovery and what she was doing and I also thought it was really smart and really good and a great point by Rianne Wilkinson the coach afterwards to say that like not every player you know who who has a you know experiences childbirth needs to like do a crystal dunk this was a very specific thing and everybody goes to their own pace but for crystal dunk specifically yeah, I, I can't imagine how good that must have felt and it looked so instinctual too I mean have volley she only like that was like what her fourth appearance since coming back, and it was just like the instincts are still there, the the power, the strike, the timing, everything. Just a ridiculous goal at a ridiculous moment for just like I, I don't know if we'll ever forget kind of that moment, no matter what happens in the final. Yeah, I think a really sound comment from Rianne Wilkinson post game, like you said, and I, I've been impressed with. You know, her management throughout the year, but I think even in the past week, we've seen Wilkinson talking about um, not even defensively in terms of defending her players, but just trying to protect her players a little bit almost mm-hmm. in terms of the the questions they've been fielding in in, uh, in the wake of the Sally Yates report and, and the ongoing investigation. So um, I, I think she's been really, really pointed in a, in a very good way. And, and um, it's been a, a breath of fresh air, obviously. I mean, certainly the context being you know, what we've seen or, or what we now know about some of the things that have gone on in this league um, to, to kind of have a a shift in in some coaching mentalities, which I think you can point to, it seems like anyway, in in, in a few places uh, in the league right now. Um, the Thorns in this game, you know, you mentioned Crystal Dunn. She comes off the bench with about a half hour to play. They knocked on the door really in that final half hour, I'd say quite a bit. I, I mean, San Diego struggled to clear their lines on, on set pieces. That was, you know, I think we've, we've almost forgotten that Rocky Rodriguez did almost the exact same thing early in the game with, with her volley 
um, much, much from the same, almost the same spot as Crystal Dunn. And, um, you know, same, same thing though, a recycled play that San Diego couldn't clear their lines on a, on a corner kick on a set piece. And, you know, obviously a spectacular effort that followed, but, um, Portland, do you feel like this was a, a just result on the day, Andre, and maybe even, you know, for the season's body of work that, that Portland grinds this out and, and yes, they win late, but you know, maybe it looked like they, they probably deserve this against San Diego. Yeah, I think so. I mean, I, I do feel a little bad for San Diego. You could tell towards the end of the game, they were gassed, they were exhausted. And, you know, I don't, I, I'm not going to be in the business of questioning or second guessing Casey Stoney ever. Uh, but I do think that some subs probably could have come on a little sooner um, I think Amir Ali came in quite late, I think maybe in stoppage time. I don't, I, I don't recall, but it was a very late sub. And, you know, when you're, when you're looking for a goal or, or what you're playing for, you know, you, you need to win to advance. That was a little questionable for me, but I also think that, you know, obviously Portland's very dangerous. And so she was probably very w- aware of changing too much defens- defensively and trying not to leave any gaps that could be capitalized on because they're so good in particular, Sophia Smith, who's just, I mean, it's wild. That game has so many highlights. You talked about Rocky Rodriguez's uh, goal, which was just, I mean, that would have been the goal of the playoffs had Crystal done not just done like what, what she did in stoppage time, which I think it's, it's in terms of like the pure strike, you can debate which one is better. But I also like the highlight of Sophia Smith's pass to Morgan Weaver, that, that, that shot that was saved. Um, that, I mean, just ridiculous level of technique from her as well. So like, I think the Thorns definitely were able to capitalize off being fresher. Um, I think that once San Diego kind of felt the the previous game and how long they had to play, of course, the flight um, and all of that, the, the tide of the game really turned. But I like that they did get a goal. You know, they, they scored first and kind of forced Portland to come out and earn it. And you do it through two amazing strikes, you got to be like, all right, well, that, that they did it then. That, I guess that's what happened. Yeah, I mean, the layers to this game, like you said, I mean, the thing that we were talking about with the Crystal Dunn goal, we've almost, I feel like people have almost forgotten about the Rocky Rodriguez goal. I mean, strikes aside, the the Naomi Gurma versus Sophia Smith 1v1 battles in this game were exceptional. I think they were the best 1v1s, you know, for for a full game that we've seen all season. I mean, the other one that comes to mind would be Smith and and Emily Sonnet in that game Mm -hmm. in Portland over the summer, but... Um, you know, really a, a lot going on in this game. I mean, I think you're right. You know, I, I think, I mean, look, I'm not going to question Casey Stoney given her body of work over the season either. You know, I, I think there's always things that we we might not know. And, and you know, we do know that to some degree, whatever it was, I mean, Alex Morgan, Taylor Korniak, at a minimum, carrying some knocks into this these playoffs. And I think, you know, it probably – you look at that if you're Stony and and you know Morgan's who got you here scoring half your team's goals and yeah. you know someone you're going to rely on and then you know you get late into a game and it's you know well I mean of course I want her in the game to try to to find an equalizer or find a winner at that point really I mean and you know but also at what point do I need fresh legs so mm-hmm. you know I think that was an an interesting one for for San Diego I mean you know the wave the wave uh, I. I reference this Dennis Green quote a lot, and I don't even really love football that much, but like they are who they thought we thought they were, right? Like yeah. that's who that that's who uh the wave have been all season. I mean, they've played direct, they've you know, they've they've managed to I think it's it's been exceptional in that like you know what you're gonna get from them, but how do you stop it? Like how do you yeah. how do you stop a six one Taylor Corniak in, in any capacity, right? Um so so I think that, you know, Maybe that sort of ran its course to a degree, um, but but I think you know obviously impressive expansion season from them, um, and now obviously the the thorns look ahead to the to the final, which we can we'll get to in in a few moments here. But um, you know, I guess just you know the big thing for me too, Andre in, in Portland, and um, I don't want to stop us from talking more tactics, so so please do cut me off. But like the crowd there, you know. 22,000. And this was part of the crystal Dunn goal for me was, you know, even for a stadium that's always been crowded, that's always been full and loud um, was just next level on, on that goal in particular. And, 
you know, these playoffs, um, I'll just rattle these off real quick. And then I want to get your, your thoughts. I mean, four biggest crowds in NWSL playoff history all happen in the past, you know, let's call it 10 days, maybe by the time you're listening to this, but within a week's time, 26,215 in San Diego, 22,035 in Portland on Sunday, 21,491 in Seattle on Sunday. We'll talk about that game next. And then 21,284 in Houston and capacity, is 20,000 for Audi field for the championship, which, you know, it seems like might happen. So, um, you know, the context of this in Portland was we didn't know how, quite how fans were going to react. It's been, you know, a, tr- a troublesome yeah. few weeks for the organization yet again, in terms of what's been revealed of, of their handling and, and what Merritt Paulson's role is. Um, you know, I was impressed with, with the fans um, on a number of ways, just, just, I guess impressed isn't the right term, but, you know, we didn't know what was going to happen. And, and, you know, they had choices to make. They weren't easy ones. And um, we saw the for sale signs. They tried to balance the protests with player support. Um, what what did you make of the atmosphere? What do you make of what's going on in Portland right now as even supporters try to rally a community ownership model even? Yeah, I think it was what, what showed up was just a good, it, it felt like a good, like, relationship between the 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 players and the community and the the fans because there was a and it's difficult for the fans because what do you want to do like do you want to give an owner that you know has done things you don't agree with done things that we read about in the sally yates report where there was a lot that was ignored um and 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 of course people can read that and and go back to to that i'm not going to recount everything here but we now now know through sally yates who's the former (laughs) attorney general can't really get away from any of these things in terms of their their validity, their truth. That is what it is. It is what happened. It's what we thought happened. And we, we found out for real that it did happen. And it's been years. Um, and so you don't want to give your money to that. But the players also said, hey, we need your support. Like, we need you right now. I think even Chris Ladon at the end of the game said something to that effect as well, as well as like, you know, we're in this together. And that really felt like it with the fans showing up. So I'm really glad that they found that compromise. They came out. They... We're not silent about what they wanted to say. You mentioned the for sale signs. I thought that was great. I think the pressure on sponsors has been great too, because we saw a lot of sponsorship like billboards and things that also, you know, talked, gave support to the players, uh, which I thought was really important uh, from a sponsorship standpoint. But then just like you mentioned from the, the soccer aspect of it, like what it means to play in that kind of atmosphere. Incredible. And I thought that production wise, they did such a great job on that crystal Dunn goal because you get, the immediate elation of like Crystal Dunn, you know, when she scores the goal and then they lay out for like, I think it was like 20 seconds and you get nothing but like crowd shots. You hear the crowd screaming, going crazy. And like, that's the sport to me. Like that's the essence of it. That like joy, pure elation that's there. Like that is what I want. Like those are those moments that you live for and the people that were there won't ever forget that. Um, And so I think especially, and then you add the other layer onto it. that's like the non-soccer stuff protecting, you know, protecting the players, wanting to support the players, all of that. And it's just such a great moment. And so I'm so glad that like the players had that, the fans had that. And I mean, I know like, I don't want to come across as like, you know, poor Portland, you know what I mean? Like that, that they, they win a lot, you know, they may have a good history, but I think this is a particular moment in time that we know that players there have been going through a lot. And we know that the fan base has been going through a lot and trying to figure out what they can do. You mentioned the community ownership model, like there's, they're exploring all options, and I think that's great. But to have a moment like this just really helps connect, and I thought it was so great because that's what the sport can do. Yeah, it really came across on, on TV, which is, you know, unfortunately not something I think we can say too often this yeah. season in the, in the NWSL, but, um, you know, a great job from from Jen Hildreth, Ali Wagner, and I would say I'm sure an uh, immeasurable number of people behind the scenes um, producing that. But, um, you know, a big moment. Um, you know, I think you talked about subs too, and you look at, you know, Dunn coming off the bench, as you said, I mean, I looked at it, it was 47 minutes total. I think that she played in the four games to end the regular season. And a couple of those were five minute, eight minute appearances. And and then obviously, you know, the U S games and the international break, but builds to this roughly 30 minutes and, you know, Changed the game off the bench in in a way that you know San Diego didn't quite have. Um, they actually, you know, ironically, I guess, got that from Sophia Jakobsen in that first round game. Casey yeah. Stoney decides to start Jakobsen for this game. Maybe 
as a reward or just seeing what, what happened. And, um, you know, they never really got that spark off the bench the way the thorns did. And, and, you know, Portland did that without Christine Sinclair, which I, I think is, is remarkable, um, in many ways, obviously to the, the team picture, but also, you know, credit to, to the broadcast for bringing this up a couple times, but first Portland Thorns game that's ever happened in the playoffs that, that did not see Christine Sinclair starting. She came on, um, in the final seconds, really, after that done goal, as as what Wilkinson said was a moment that she just wanted to make happen at that point. Um, you know, big tactical decision. I, I'm really curious to see what that means for for the final. Um, I do think the other element of this, though, and, and Wilkinson touched on it a little bit, was, you know, Yasmin Ryan's been very good all year. Um, Wilkinson wanted a higher pressure on, on uh, excuse me, San Diego's, Backline and Kaylin Sheridan to not allow service and and Ryan brings that you know just in a way that that Sinclair doesn't so um, we'll get to the final but I think that was you know that was really interesting I don't know what did you make of that decision I mean a big moment right your, your former teammate in Wilkinson and Sinclair to have to make that and and have that conversation yeah and and maybe that relationship is why that call was able to be made in the first place. You know, maybe if you don't have that relationship, you don't try to do something like, cause you don't know what the reaction is going to be. But I think Wilkinson knew what the reaction was going to be. And I think that Christine Sinclair is an excellent player who understands and, and knows like a game plan. And that's what we need to do. And I think Wilkinson talked about that afterwards. Like, you know, that San Diego is very direct. You need to put them under pressure, but you also need to make sure that you can plug gaps when the ball gets turned over. Cause it's the NWSL. It's going to happen you're going to face transition moments and you need to be able to defend them. And, you know, at this stage of her career, asking Christine Sinclair to do a lot of running against a very direct San Diego wave team doesn't seem like a great idea. And so she made a very good tactical decision. And Yasmin Ryan, I mean, you mentioned she's been great all year. I think she's been like underrated, had an underrated season, even though I think you look at the, what is she third tie for third with assists uh, during the regular season? Like she had a really, really good season and she's been great. So like, yeah, I think it was, a, a bold decision, but all the reasons were there for her to be able to make the decision. And you saw like that front line. I mean, Yasmin Ryan, Morgan Weaver, Sophia Smith, that's go, go get after it. Like that's all the athleticism you can have in a front line, go, go after them, you know, put, put a lot of pressure under San Diego. Uh, and I thought it was great. So like, yeah, I, I really like what Wilkinson has done this season. You know, we've seen her, you know, switch things from like start it out with a back three, go to a back four, you know, do multiple things, just trying to get the best out of the team. You know, Sophia Smith playing wide, then coming in and playing in, in a more traditional like number nine role, uh, but still has the freedom to get wide and do things. Like, I just think she's been very solid and, and knows how to utilize the talent that she has uh, at her disposal. And then you mentioned, of course, always a bit of a bonus and almost unfair when you can bring on a player like Crystal Dunn off the bench. Like, um, unfortunately, San Diego, you know, I don't think any team really is in a position to do, to bring a player of that caliber off, off the bench. And of course, with a fully 100% fit Crystal Dunn, who knows, obviously, maybe she doesn't come off the bench at all. Perhaps she's in the starting 11, which I would assume, but you know, like the way it works out is that's just a, a hell of a move. <laughs> and Portland was able to make it and San Diego couldn't and um you know I like I said I, w- I still would have liked to see Ali come on a bit earlier but I, I think that you know the 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 tiredness in the legs you know needing the your your key goal scorers to stay out there you know we saw what Alex Morgan did in the last game you know scores that game winner you need you, you want to rely on that you don't want to pull off a player like that and think like what could have happened so it that's why it's kind of like to me like I think San Diego should be celebrated for as far as they got Um, no expansion team had made the playoffs and they get into a semifinal. That's amazing. Uh, So like, yeah, I'm, I'm, I don't think San Diego should be sad at all. They've got an off season now with one of the best, like one of the best managers who also can construct a squad. And we saw her work with Manchester United over the years and she did the same thing, building up this San Diego team. So like, yeah, I think they've, they, she knows their their weaknesses, and I'm kind of scared for that team <laughs> in the next season. But uh, yeah, outstanding season for them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I mean, I mean, I think you know, one win from a final, and and led the league for half the season as an expansion yeah. side. You know, really um, outrageous. A tip of the cap to to them. Um, so Portland's on to the final. We for the second straight season, though, we 
head into the semifinals with Portland and OL Reign, one, two seeds, thinking maybe we will get a Cascadia Derby in some random place of <laughs> Louisville last year and, and Washington, D.C. this year. And it is not the case uh, because the last year, both of them fell short. The rain fall short this year again. And um, I don't know, Andre, it's, it's um, I'm trying not to like, it feels very familiar in, in so many ways, right? It's, it's a shield winning season for the rain, yeah. a very good team. Um, and then, you know, in, in this case, not even getting to the final, but, but coming short of a championship that's now eluded them for, you know, the, the entire decade of the NWSLs and, and their club's existence. Now uh, a two, no loss to the Kansas city current in a game where I think, you know, some version of the rain were, you know, had their opportunities is a good way, maybe even an understatement, but, you know, a game where Kansas city very much played um, within their own element and, and played for some counterattacking opportunities, got an early goal that really changed the game four minutes in Alex Loera. I thought, I thought Fallon Tillis Joyce could have, could have done better with it. There was a little bit of traffic on, on both the goals really, but um, you know, the rain come up short and, and I want to get to, to Kansas city and then shift into the the final, but um, maybe just from a rain perspective to start here. Um, you know, we just talked about San Diego. How do you view this season for the rain? Another shield, another disappointment in the playoffs and, you know, lots of context to sprinkle into that, but it, it it's, I don't know. It's hard for me. I, I mean, I, I empathize with it, but you know, it, it f- felt like this was the year and, and at some point you've got to get it done in a knockout game. Right. Yeah, so I'm I feel I feel bad for the rain to be honest. Like that this was difficult. This was not the way they envisioned things going at all. You know, when you look at, you know, Portland had to play San Diego, you know, you got to play Kansas City. Of course, we know how tight all six of those teams who made the playoffs have been. So it's not like you can say one team is definitively better or weaker than another. But if you look at it and they had their choice, you know, you either play San Diego, you play Kansas City, they're probably choosing Kansas City in their most honest moments. But and so there's that. But then for me, there's also I want to make sure that like the shield has some level of prominence because I think it deserves it. It is one of the most difficult things to do, particularly in a league that is this competitive, this intense. You know, we it's very cliche to say this, but it's true in very few leagues in the NWSL is a league where it is true, where any team can be anybody and not just because. A, a good team can have a bad day. No, you can have a good a, a team who you view as like bad or mediocre can have a great day because they have a, a bunch of talent on their squad. So like, I mean, look at the Washington Spirit who were in the championship last season. And of course, there's a, a number of reasons why they didn't make the playoffs and were so bad this season. But even that team has Andy Sullivan, Trinity Robin and Ashley Sanchez, like either those players can go off at any moment. And so I do think that, that like winning the shield deserves its own like like I I hope they don't hang their head because it's not like oh we got the shield but we didn't win the playoffs who even cares I think there needs to be a lot more you know prominence placed on winning the shield because it is a massive endeavor I think it's really hard to do and uh, probably even more of a testament to like full uh, the full season how your actual season went than of than single elimination knockout games having said that I know this really sucks, <laughs> you know, like they were, they did the thing you couldn't do against San Diego and give them something to defend early. Like that, I'm not San Diego. I'm sorry, Kansas city. That's what they want to do. That team is, we'll, we'll talk about them in a bit, but like for the rain, I was just sad because they got them right into that same, uh, that place where when we had questions about their ability to get up there, you know, to, to secure, a first round bye to host a playoff game to possibly be in contention for the shield. It was all about, could they score a goal? You know, could they score the goals? They play well. They have very good players. They move the ball around quite well. Sometimes very pleasing, but you don't get the end product. Some calamity happens and then they're either down or they're drawing a game and you're like, you can't have that. And that's exactly what came back to them in this game. And it was so unfortunate because you see the ball bouncing around and you're almost like screaming, somebody just put your foot through it. Like who cares where it goes? Just get it out of the box. And they don't Loera pounces on it. And she's had a great season by the way, but like, it was just one of those moments where it was when, when that happened, yes, it was so early, 
but it was it had to put the rain back in that familiar space where it's like now we have even more pressure to go out there and score a goal and they have not always been able to rise to that throughout the season and that's how their season ends it's kind of heartbreaking yeah a good point i mean laura harvey spoke on multiple occasions this season about these stretches where they haven't been able to find the back of the net and and relied on the back line to to get them through i mean a league a league best goals against uh, for them the regular season and you know two goals against uh, against a kansas city team that you know has been operating i have been saying this for so long and i've kind of been waiting for it to maybe come back and bite them into a degree and it, it hasn't yet is they, they operate on these fine margins. I mean, they, they qualify for the playoffs with a, a zero goal difference. Um, you know, they, they've, they kind of sat in that realm of the goal difference, even, you know, atop the table, that was, you know, what they were looking at. And, and um, you know, you concede early like that. And then obviously I think the way that the second goal, not, not just the way that the second goal gets scored in terms of that play and how it plays out, but, you know, the rain knocking on the door and, you know, I mean, I think Jess Fishlock is probably going to watch back some of these replays with, you know, the, the woodwork that she hit and, you know, some of the volleys that she struck and wonder how she didn't have one. Um, and, and, you know, she, you know, she, Megan Rapino and, and Lauren Barnes, obviously the, the rain originals and Laura Harvey thrown into that group where, you know, I think that undoubtedly this, this loss hits them the hardest, I would imagine, just given the history that they've had personally in, in this, this quest for this franchise to, to win a championship. I do agree with you though. I, I, you know, the shield is um, I think for as long as playoffs exist, it's going to be hard to convince the average person into, you know, the shield being maybe more valuable than the playoffs themselves and the championship. But, you know, there does need to be, there needs to be, you know, some better, better placement of, of um, importance and, and more prominence to the shield. And, you know, as silly as it is, maybe, you know, it's not silly to the players, I'm sure. But, you know, I think that the $10,000 per player bonus is at least, you know, it's it's good money for starters for a player who's maybe on the minimum of 35. And, and right. I think it's good money for most people, you know, for yeah. as, as far as a bonus goes. But um, it's also at least a, a, a signal that, you know, they're trying to make this more important. Maybe that starts financially. Maybe, maybe there needs to be more looked into of, of how the, the playoffs could reward a shield winner. Um, you know, other leagues have tried and, and played with that. So I don't know if there's a perfect answer, but, but I agree with you um, on that. And I think, um, I think it's going to be an interesting off season for the rain because a lot of veterans, they've got some free agents, um, you know, maybe some that I would never expect to leave that franchise, but maybe that they have to make some decisions on, you know, as a, as a collective um, and, and free agency obviously is, is a brand new thing too. So, you know, I, it'll be, it'll be interesting to see where they go from here and, and, you know um, it, it's, it's tough, but I, I do want to talk about um, Kansas city and maybe we'll, we'll focus on this, this semifinal here first, and then um, we can get to the the final and, and everything that we've got coming from, from Kansas city, Portland, but um, you know, they get the early goal. Like you said, I think, dream start for them. And then, you know, Adriana French has, has been spectacular all season, but, yes. um, you know, next level. I mean, for me, you know, even I'll admit like this season, I thought very good season, right? Um, I think you could make that argument about different goalkeepers. I think there've been moments where very good has been even, you know, even better than very good, you know, spectacular or whatever superlative, but um, just next level in, in this semifinal, seven saves. I don't think any of them were average. I mean, yeah. a couple of them were point blank inside the six. Yeah. Um, and then she says post game, her favorite save was Alex Loera <laughs> clearing the ball off the line on yet another, yet another play. We'll never know what the actual outcome was <laughs> because we didn't have the camera angles, uh, but yeah. um, what do you make of, of Adriana French's, I guess day, but maybe season, um, you know, at large so far here. Yeah, I really think she should have been on the short list for MVP. I mean, I think she has had one of those kinds of seasons that does not come around very often at all, and particularly from a goalkeeper. I mean, she's been great. I mean, the the, the way that she has a under, good understanding with the back line, so they're able to kind of she's, – she's able to prepare and know what's coming, and then the rest is her, being able to make sure she's in the right position. She's able to, you know, make the saves or their acrobatic or reaction saves or whatever, whether she needs to come out. I mean, I remember 
you know, there, there's been a whole joke kind of like on Twitter where Adriana France does not care about your narratives. Like I remember the game with uh, Ebony Salmon when she first started with Houston, you know, she was, she got in so many good positions to score. And, you know, you're just thinking like, you know, given the interview that she had and the time that she had in Louisville towards the end and how it wasn't going well, she wasn't playing. You just really wanted her to get a goal and France just would not let that happen. Uh, and it was kind of the same type of performance here. It was just like, the one thing O.L. Reign didn't need was to give up a goal. The second thing they didn't need was Adriana French to be on the pitch because she was just not allowing that to happen. There are so many great saves that she made. Um, and then I also love, like you mentioned, the, the, the respect to her teammate, you know, that essentially a rookie in Loera out there and, and her being able to clear that ball off the line. I mean, I just think there were only two times when the ball kind of got away from her and the defense helped her out. Um, so it's just like that Kansas City team is fascinating to me. There's such an interesting like contrast because they're so like disciplined um, organizationally. They know kind of how to stop, you know, build up play, how to get in the way, how to like move without the ball. But then they're also an incredibly fun team. Like, they're so loose. And they talked about that post game that that's part of the environment there. And you can really tell that like personalities like, you know, Kristen Hamilton and especially Lola Bonta, they just like lean into those players and their personalities and have a lot of fun, but they don't play like a fun free scoring team. I think they've only, I think that the game versus the rain two nil game was the only time they, the second time all season, they won a game by more than one goal. So it's like, they don't do that free flowing thing, but they know who they are and they know what they do and they do it very well. They're, they're, they're quite a fascinating team, which makes this final like, I'm so excited for it because I have no idea what can happen. Yeah. And, and you know, I mean, t- you mentioned French and she's doing what she did this season, um, you know, respectfully in front of a, a back three, which, yeah. you know, until this season, we really didn't see the, the, the back three was kind of in vogue this season in the NWSL in a way that we haven't seen at, at any sort of wider level in this league before. Um, you know, Portland played it for half a season, like you said earlier in this, this episode, uh, Kansas City was resolute, and so was Chicago in sticking d- different, you know, three five two and a three four three for each of them. But you know, really sticking to it in a way that um, I can't remember a season where where more than one team. Maybe somebody can correct me when when they're listening here. But where more than one team was really this committed to to a back three, and we saw this. Um, and I know numbers are numbers, and you know, systems are more what we need to talk about. But you know, that that this was something that we saw kind of league wide in a way. And um, it was, you know, to some degree, a bit of a rotating cast of characters. And I'll put my hand up. Like I didn't, I didn't think Kansas city was going to be terrible, um, but I didn't have them doing what they're doing right now. Um, And, and honestly, I didn't even think that necessarily, you know, 13 game unbeaten streak. Obviously they were some level of, of for real, but you know, I had some questions still about, the sustainability of it. Um, you know, I think even when you look at playing that back three and the rotation of it and, and, you know, I think Elizabeth balls quietly been very good as the centerpiece of that back three. Um, Kristen Edmonds, I thought was, you know, I don't think Kansas city was actually all that great in that first round playoff game. Houston outplayed them, but you know, moments that stick out to me in that game are, are Kristen Edmonds, who's, you know, journey woman career, in, in this league, just as a player period in, in other leagues even, and um, played every different position and she's playing center back in a back three and making one V one open field game, saving type of tackles against Houston. So, um, you know, I, I think they've really kind of played uh, with a confidence kind of within themselves that we saw against Houston, you know, again, against the rain where, um, you know, I, I think, yes, you know, anybody listening to this, maybe there's an argument that like, even for France, that is a, a once in a however often kind of performance on the day. But, um, you know, they've gotten that kind of thing whenever they've needed it from somebody else. I mean, Desiree Scott's suspended in the opening, uh, the first round. You know, Alex Loera goes into the DM role, plays great. She's played center back for a lot of the season. She plays even more advanced uh, against the rain, scores a goal. Um, I think they've really found a way to 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 make it work. And, um, something needs to be said for for the players there, like you said, and and you know Matt Potter, who who I think um, we they spoke with about a little bit after the game on Sunday, and um, you know he's kind of a quieter guy. I don't know, you know, 
we don't see as much maybe where we we talked about Casey Stoney. We've heard players really heap the praise. We've, you know, Rian Wilkinson has been really willing to take on the kind of spokesperson role. And, and we've seen kind of that empathy management and um, not for nothing negative here. I just think maybe Potter's just a little bit quieter and, and um, maybe we haven't quite appreciated that um, to the, to the degree that we should, but, you know, I think maybe Andre, we should say too, like he's been able to get the tactics right. And again, Claire Lavoger, major injury that affected her, you know, this game, but also in that opening round game, CC Kaiser goes down with a, a head injury in this rain game. So um, what about, you know, what have you maybe seen from him or, or you know, just what, what have you seen in terms of this, this flexibility of Kansas City that, that came out against the rain? The thing that we've heard the most in terms of that team, and this isn't really X's and O's type of situation, it's just that the players really credit him. And they said a lot post-game, you know, I was listening to the post-game presser before we hopped on and it was just, they were saying that, you know, the play, it's a different style of coaching where the players are, and you would assume this seems common sense, but it doesn't happen all the time that players are put in position to maximize their best skills. And you know, you've kind of seen that with Loera. She has the ability and kind of the green light to wherever she's playing, whether she's up playing as a center back, defensive midfielder, or further forward, she's able to lean on that creativity, imagination. She loves to pass the ball forward. I think her passing numbers are wild. If you look at like the, her distribution numbers, her forward passing numbers are ridiculous for a player who plays back so far. And you kind of think like, yeah, of course the ball only goes one way, but a lot of defensive players either pass a little bit, you know, to a, to another defensive midfielder or to a defensive midfielder or to one another, but she likes to get the ball centrally forward. And she was able to do that a bit. And she had some really great moments throughout the season um, and just being creative, you know, progressing the ball from the back, particularly off of high turnovers, which is something they love to do is turn up, turn the ball over and then go the other way. So I think it's a combination of that, but then also really the, the environment. It just sounds like it's a really fun environment to be, part of the players really appreciate it they're allowed to be themselves you know Eddie France said something like you know there's this there's this concept in sports where if you're having fun then people some say that you're not focused and she's like well you know if you're to me if you're playing well you know your touch is great you're serving in those beautiful passes you're you're having fun because you're playing a game at a high level and you also must then be clearly focused right like you can't do those things you can't have a great first touch and not be focused and so it's like the combination of those things, I think, has been very important for that team. And you can kind of see it. You know, it came out in very direct ways in terms of Lola Bonta and the celebrations that we've seen from the team and from her specifically. But then I also look at the way they play. They really work well with one another. I think the Kristen Hamilton's goal is a great example of how, how the team works together. You can see Lola Bonta is running and she runs straight across you know when when Kristen Hamilton gets hold of that ball she runs straight across and just drags Alana Cook completely out of the way the entire she almost gives it away a little bit because she's kind of like running to the to, across the pitch with her head turned completely like staring at Kristen Hamilton like I'm providing this space for you and it was just kind of funny the way it was going but it was such a quick moment that and it was great because that's it, it made Kristen Hamilton's job easier because Sam Hyatt was trying to recover she ends up being able to cut the ball back centrally and then hit a strike. And Hamilton even said, like, Lynn Williams has been working on her with that shot as well. Gave her some pointers on how to make, how to hit that shot with a higher percentage. And I just think, like, the environment of the team just seems so good. And sometimes I think they are doing tactical things as well that is that are really important and hard to deal with. You know, they are a very hard team to beat. But I think ultimately it comes down to that team just really covers for one another. And I think that's why A.D. French mentioned Loera's clearances. And I think that's why you saw Lola Bonta make that run in order to make Kristen Hamilton's job a little bit easier in order to go up 2-0 and get themselves in the, in the championship game. I, it's just, it's hard to explain something like that because I don't necessarily like, you know, the whole like vibes thing. It just feels like it's not just vibes, but a lot of it, it's probably vibes because that team is very well to like they're to they're together. They're very connected and they know what to do and they know how to work with one another because they know what one another wants to do and what they're, what they're, what they're good at. So I, I, that probably sounded like a lot of mess, but I, I've <laughs> been trying to figure this team out and I'm just like, 
combination of tactics and good vibes. That's what I got. Yeah. I mean, look, uh, sports should be fun, right? I, I think yeah. maybe even in this country, I mean, I played at a, a relatively high level. That's not always, certainly not always the case and certainly not always like preached from a, a coaching or position of power. So, you know, yeah. credit to credit to those who are, are trying to do that now. Um, and I think, you know, from, from everything we know, you know, I, th- I think we're seeing that um, among teams that, that still remain uh, the two teams that still remain the teams that we just saw in these semifinals, um, which were exceptional. I've got, I've got to say, I mean, the first four playoff games uh, so far in this postseason campaign for the NWSL spectacular, um, really, really entertaining. And, and obviously, you know, um, at a moment where I think everybody players first in line, probably, probably need that and, and wanted yeah. that. So um, good to see and and looking forward to hopefully a championship that keeps that up. Um, we're going to come back after this and, and we'll talk about the championship. We'll talk about, we'll preview Kansas city versus Portland. And we will also discuss uh, before we've got time, but we, we do want to touch on uh, the world cup draw and specifically the, uh, the U S path, which we know now is uh, we know what that's going to be now in New Zealand. So um, thank you for, for listening to this first segment on the NWSL semifinals. Stick with us right after the break. We'll talk about those two things. All right, welcome back, everybody, to the Equalizer Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Kasouf, joined again by Andre Carlisle. And thank you for listening. Thank you for sticking with us through this second segment. Uh, as always, want to encourage you to check out equalizersoccer.com. Go ahead and subscribe there, and you can get all of our premium content. And please go ahead and rate and review this podcast. Give us those five stars. It helps other people discover it, helps boost it on the old algorithm, all those fun things that nobody actually usually understands. But we appreciate it, and we thank you uh, for doing that for us. And um, we are going to get into... We're going to get into the final, as I mentioned. We promised that. And first, though, I want to touch on the the other big news of the weekend, which um, uh, from a more global perspective, certainly the 2023 World Cup draw. So we have our groups are set. We've got three playoff teams to be determined, and that does come into to play here for uh, the U.S. angle that we want to talk about here. But, you know, look, first first World Cup first women's world cup that will ever feature 32 teams that the expansion has been pretty rapid from 16 to 24 and now 32. And uh, you've got your host, New Zealand and Australia. And, you know, I think the big thing, and, and I'll encourage you to, to, you can find this just about anywhere. You want to go to equalizersoccer.com and check out our analysis. I'll, I'll certainly appreciate that. But if you want to get every uh, group of four, all eight groups, um, if you haven't seen those yet for some reason, go ahead and, and look those up. I'm not going to read off 32 teams to you, but some of the highlights here, um, group A, I think, you know, I, let me, let me put it on record. Andre, I don't know about you. I do not like this group of death chatter of, of in any capacity ever, but certainly in this expanded world cup. So, um, maybe I'm not allowed to say there's a group of life then, but like, Group A, if I'm if I'm in Group A, I'm very happy. Uh, whether I'm New Zealand and I got that draw at home, or I am any of Norway, Philippines, or Switzerland to get New Zealand as my quote unquote seeded team. So um, I think that is one to watch. Canada goes into Group B with Australia and has a, a less than amazing group stage travel schedule, which you know would maybe even out in the knockout stage. But um, you know the the big one that I want to look at here is. Um, USA Group E for starters. If you plan on the trip, um, it's exclusively in New Zealand. Almost the whole knockout stage path, other than a, a quick jaunt to Sydney, maybe for for the round of sixteen, is in New Zealand. So, I don't know. I guess that's exciting. I'm I'm, I'm looking forward to maybe seeing some of that. Um, but you know, also Vietnam debut for Vietnam in the Women's World Cup. Netherlands is going to be the highlight rematch of the 2019 World Cup final, and then playoff winner. Uh, from group a which which may well be portugal um but you know i guess we'll see um i think you know if you're the u.s any any number of those uh any number of those teams that it could be which um from that that playoff would be um excuse me um portugal cameroon or thailand which you know um thailand they've got some experience with in the world cup obviously you know i I think you look at that as a winnable game even in the current form for the u.s and and feeling like you'll have everybody healthy so 
you know, the big thing for me, Andre, I want to get your, your thoughts on this draw for the U S specifically, um, you know, winnable group, but also maybe dangerous to look ahead in any circumstance, but certainly the way the U S has played recently. But I look at this and say, um, France, Germany, England, you know, a lot of teams, Brazil, that might, might worry you if you're the U S or might worry a U.S. fan other side of the draw until the final. If they, if you happen to get there, I mean, this is to me, you're the U S you got to, you win the group, you avoid Sweden then most likely in, in round of 16, which is the trap there. And then like everything from there looks very favorable from travel to matchups. I mean, what, what do you think of this U S draw? Yeah, I thought it went quite well. I mean, I, I'm hoping I can get there because I wanted it to be in New Zealand. Uh, I, I've never been to New I've never been to Australia either, but I've, I've heard that um, both are beautiful, but New Zealand in particular is, is gorgeous. So I'm hoping I can get there. Uh, so from a personal standpoint, I was excited about that. Uh, but as far as the U.S. Women's National Team, I think it was great. I think of the teams that you could have gotten that could have tested them. Netherlands are a good team. Uh, we did see them underperform, of course, in the summer's Euros. Um, they got Mark Parsons out uh, as coach. So they they clearly are going to be bringing somebody else in there and looking to take advantage of all the talent they have, but not an unfamiliar opponent to the U.S. And the U.S. has a good record against them. Got a good record against most teams, but I don't think even like you mentioned in the current form, they're going to be too scared of, of the Netherlands. So it doesn't mean Netherlands can't beat them, but it does also mean that, you know, the U.S. still has a chance, a, a good chance to win this group. Uh, given who else is in it. So I think it went about as well as you could hope. I'm a little sad about that because I do think that like a little bit of a test in your group stage is important. Uh, You don't want too much. Like You don't want to be like fighting to get out of the group and then you just continue that on in the knockout rounds. That can be exhausting. Uh, But I did want to see a bit more because, you know, some the you can get hit kind of hard uh, by a level of competition or a different style of play uh, that can, that can do certain things to negate what you want to do in a game. Um, And so the knockouts are going to be interesting for me, but I fully expect the U S to get there given this group. Yeah. I think um, for comparison's sake, um, you look at the 2015 world cup title, the U S one, you know, a group, I would actually say a challenging group, but then, you know, a knockout stage that, um, you know, for, and and this was to their benefit. They really struggled in that 2015 World Cup group stage, um, mm-hmm. the build up to it, and then even, you know, round of 16 that they they really didn't have to. I don't want to say they weren't challenged. That's a disservice. But like until the semifinal against Germany, which is when they finally really clicked, you know, they they had some forgiveness and wiggle room within you know the opponents they were facing, and then um, you know obviously they go on and, and it clicks in the semi and the final, and then. You know, total polar opposite in 2019, yeah. you know, I mean, ease into that World Cup, a 13-0 win, you know, maybe group stage, even, you know, the one game that that you look at in that group stage, Sweden, where Sweden played essentially to not win yeah. um, for a favorable group uh, knockout stage path. And the U.S. has to go get beat up by Spain, beat France in Paris, beat England, beat the Netherlands in the final. I mean, I, I think two very opposites. This yeah. one... I don't know how it's going to play out. I don't think the U.S. I don't think the Americans are the favorites at all right now. But yeah. you know, we'll be in contention. I think if it's going to happen, it's going to look more like 2015 than yeah. than 19. Um, is there a group for you that you're most excited for that you you really that jumps off the page to you? Yes, Group F. <laughs> I am super intrigued by Group F: France, Jamaica, Brazil. Group uh, and and I'm sorry to. Thoughts and prayers to the Group C playoff winner who's going to join that group because Jamaica, we saw, we didn't see them at their best against the U.S. Women's National Team in the W Championship, but that is a very talented team. And they have a very good coach who knows how to utilize the talent they have. Uh, Brazil, Brazil's just fun. Like that team is very, very fun. We know about Caroline and Dabinia, but even more than that, like they've got some very, very, and Breninha actually joining Gotham as well. So and I have a lot of Brazilian players in the league. Um, are, that are going to that you may remember and and know of from the NWSL, but yeah, and that France team is just so good, talent all over the place, just and young talent too. Like talent just should be entering their prime, maybe a little too young, you know, in 2019. But a lot of the talent should be entering the prime. To have questions about midfield and what they're going to do there, but I think they even have some players that are stepping up uh, and looking like they're going to be able to take that. Of course, we know about the coaching situation there. 
we're not going to get into all that now. <laughs> but I just like I'm really fascinated by that group. Like it would not surprise me. Like I want to watch all the games from that group because I think they're I I'm pretty sure France is going to come out of that group, but I have no idea who else will. I believe it's going to be Brazil, but if it's Jamaica, I would not be shocked because that team is, I think, quite underrated by the rest of the world, and it, they have a very good chance to do some things. Yeah, those three teams will be joined in Group F by one of Chinese Taipei, Paraguay, Papua New Guinea, or Panama in that Group C, which is the um, the only the in this ten team playoff. That's the the one that has. Uh, two proper semifinals in that group. So um, I don't know. I'd be, it'd be cool to see the, the, a world cup co-hosted by New Zealand and Australia. Maybe I, I know nothing about Papua New Guinea to, you know, very little at, at the moment. And I'll, I'll be doing my research prior to the, the, the playoff, but um, it, it'd be cool to see them maybe make it in, in the tournament that's in that region or co-hosted in that region. Um, and Panama, you know, we've seen glimpses of in CONCACAF, um, it'll be interesting, but yeah, I, I mean, to the group proper, yeah, I think France, you know, um, I was on board with France in 2011, 2012. I feel like, uh, like a lot of people have been waiting for that for about a decade. I mean, I, you know, maybe, maybe it finally comes through, but, um, you know, I, I think Brazil is the team for me that has been building now for a while toward, yes. um, you know, obviously maybe Olympics didn't quite go as, as hoped and expected for them, but, you know, Piasanaga went into that job, you know, I think has gotten the mix right, at least from what I've seen from a little bit of a distance of let's encourage the, the let, let's not discourage what makes Brazil great. You know, everything that they do on the ball, the joy on the ball and, and the attacking fluidity, but let's, let's make sure they can defend. Let's make sure that there's some structure here. And I, I think she's gotten that balance, right. Um, you know, I think she might've gotten it right enough to, to make Brazil a real world cup contender here. Um, you know, but, but the opposite of what we said about the U S that's going to be a tough path, even getting out of the group. Once you do, that's a tough path in that side of the bracket. So, um, you know, interested to see, to see how they do and maybe, maybe interested to see how, uh, how France performs, um, yet again, but yeah, I think that'll be interesting. I, I think even maybe, um, you're right. I mean, for me, Group F as well, I would say most interesting. I think Group Group G will be interesting too. Sweden, South Africa, Italy, Argentina. Yeah. You know, Italy and Argentina, I, both, I think, are both teams that, that can cause some problems. Italy, I was a little bit disappointed with in Europe. Well, yes. a lot disappointed by at least one of those games. But, yeah. um, you know, I think they've got potential. South Africa comes in as continental champion. Sweden, number two team in the world. So I think that could be an interesting one. I, I I'd like to think that this is not going to play out each of these eight groups um, chalk for lack of a better term yeah. of, of top, you know, two ranked teams, top two pots yeah. that advance. I think we'll get some interest, interesting stuff. Hopefully. I also want to throw out a little shout out for group D because England, Denmark, and China is already very good, but they could be joined by Haiti. And that Haiti team is young, but very, very good and can do some danger. We, we saw them and, and especially Melchie Duvernay in, in particular, was a problem for the U.S. backline. Didn't end up, didn't end up getting an actual goal, but it was only some last ditch stuff and a very good save. I think that stops some some of that. But that is a very dangerous team if they get in. Uh, it is it's going to be Chile, uh, Haiti, or Senegal. So we'll see. I'm hoping it's Haiti because I just really want to see them. I think they're they've got a lot of talent and just like Jamaica, I don't think that they've gotten the the notoriety globally. And I think they will absolutely surprise some teams in that group if they're if they're able to make it uh, into that group. So um, beating England will be hard, but Denmark might want to watch out in China, maybe too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Look, Haiti. I mean, um, unless it gets settled in the winter and and it gets it's settled beforehand. I mean, Haiti, Melchie de Mornay. You mentioned. I mean, you know, contracts up next summer. Mm. Maybe maybe Haiti's playing in that World Cup and she's on you know the full full global stage. I mean, she's already. Already seems like she will be the most sought after transfer target, maybe globally. Maybe I don't. I don't know if that's even an overstatement. By the way, yeah. something sounds so. I mean, throw in a, a World Cup platform, and that could be a very interesting story. <laughs> yes. um, uh, well, we're, we're, look, we're, we're going to be goes without saying. I think um, lots to look forward to. We've got about nine months here to to the World Cup. We'll be previewing a lot. Uh, the U.S. has a lot to figure out between now and then, and including uh, some forthcoming games very soon here against Germany and the U S. So 
we'll be we'll be keeping you locked in on that. Plenty of time to preview. Um, wanted to make sure we previewed that draw there or, or recap that draw. Looked at how this is going to play out, and the most immediate thing here that that we're going to wrap the show with, um, circling back to how we started with NWSL playoffs, the semifinals that we talked about. We've got our final. We've got Kansas City Current looking for their. How do I how do I call this, Andre? It's not their first title for my money. It's it's the <laughs> the first, maybe their first title as the current. Um, you know, yeah. the the bring a third women's soccer title, let's say, to Kansas City in in its its history um, versus Portland, who's in a fourth final, won the inaugural one in in 2013, um, looking for a third title now. Um, so, you know, I, I think. Um, Look, for starters, I mean, Portland's got to be the favorite, right? I mean, I feel like Kansas City's playing with house money. Um, is that advantage Kansas City then in terms of pressure? What, what do you think? That's a good question. I, I, the, my initial reaction is to say yes, but I think the, the, the trouble for Kansas City, I think, is that We've talked about how they're able to play these these games that are like very close and they're kind of specialists at winning these close games, one goal games. The Portland Thorns scored the most goals in the regular season. I believe they scored 49. I mean, they, that that team can put piles of goals on them. And in fact, their very first game, you know, this is this is actually funny. The very first game of, of both of these teams' season was against one another, and the Thorns beat them three-nothing. And, you know, obviously they're a very different team. They're more settled into who they are and their identity and they, you know, understand the talent that they have and utilizing it well. So I don't expect the same thing. In fact, when they played later in the season, their second go around, it was 1-1. So like that Portland team just scares me. And the ability to score goals, trying to mark Sophia Smith sounds like a nightmare and a half. I would already be having those nightmares if I was a Kansas City defender. Um, like there are so many things that like, to me, put a lot of pressure on Kansas city, because if they don't do something like they did against the rain, like get an early goal quick, and then they get to dictate the match a little bit, Portland's going to have the ball. They're going to have the possession. They're going to get a lot of chances. And then how much can you rely on 80 French? We saw that you can rely on her quite a bit, but it only takes one goal to go in and then you're down and now you're chasing the game and you're out of what your game plan and what you actually want to do. Uh, and the way that they want to manage games in Kansas city. So like, I am like, my brain is twisted up in knots trying to figure out how this game is going to go because I can see so many scenarios that benefit one team over another. I just think it's going to be a great final. Yeah. That one, one game you mentioned um, September 18th and, and it had, it had its own share of drama there. Rocky Rodriguez, 87th minute goes, puts port in the head and then Haley Mace four minutes in a stoppage time for the equalizer. And I actually think that was a really important result for Kansas city at that moment, yeah. because they had gone on that 13 game unbeaten streak and it got snapped four days earlier in Chicago by the Chicago red stars. And really let's say it got snapped by Mal Pugh yes. um, <laughs> who scored twice and, and had, I'm going to call it two assists, not yeah, officially on the, the record book, but um, you know, they got smacked to end that 13 yeah. game unbeaten streak. And, and then, you know, I think you go lose that game back to back. If you lose to Portland at home like that in Kansas city, and, and, you know, maybe you start questioning some things and they get that late equalizer. I think it was a bit of a, a settling moment there um, for the current. I, I do think an interesting wrinkle, you mentioned that um, opening opening day, I guess, opening game of the season for each team, regular season. And uh, that was when both teams were in a three back. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know. I mean, I'm not expecting it, but I guess that's the point. Maybe that's, you know, I wonder what, I wonder what Rian Wilkinson has up her sleeve for this. I mean, I don't, I would be dead shocked to see Kansas city, Matt Potter change anything in terms of system and style. And they've been very fluid and they change within games. They make tweaks, but in terms of like the overall approach, and I'd probably be pretty surprised to see Portland do it too, but you know, they found that success early on in the season against Kansas city, you know, as a fellow three back team. Um, And and there is precedent for, uh, for a coach making a, a wild, call in a championship um the the 2016 final versus uh the flash versus the spirit and maybe the lesson there for Rianne wilkinson is that did not go well for the spirit <laughs> to make that call and just for one game in the final so yeah, yeah. um yeah I, I don't know I, i'm i think it's going to be fun I, I hope it's entertaining and and you know somewhat like 
these games we've seen so far in these playoffs. Um, and I think it's going to be for me, um, you know, maybe we can, we can start wrapping up a little bit here with just kind of a, an area. If we try to drill down on where you think the game will be won or lost, maybe a player, even who, who you think that might be, um, you know, for me, I think it's, it's on the flanks with these wingbacks that Kansas city plays. Mm-hmm. Um, but, but I'll, you know, who, who do you think, or, or where do you think maybe this, this final could be determined? Yeah, no, I think the flank area is a good idea, to, uh, a good one to point to. But I think also, you know, we, we've seen like Sam Coffey has been great in, in a defensive midfield role as the number six for Portland. Um, very good at shuttling the ball, very good at winning back the ball and making sure that they can still move side to side and and generate chances. And she's going to have a tough matchup, I think, <laughs> you know, the the – Kansas City is not going to let her just kind of like dictate play. They're going to have to for she's going to have to be forced to kind of like and and she's done this throughout the season, which is why I think she's had a great season. But this is kind of like the ultimate test now. Like how can she maneuver herself around? And she's very good. I like watching her off the ball because she finds a lot of spaces to get the ball and to move it around to try to break pressure and everything. And I think that you know this is going to be a difficult game. She's going to have to figure out how to do that because Kansas City. I think if I'm if I'm trying to get in the head of Matt Potter, <laughs> I think what they're going to try to do is stop her from doing that so that you kind of disrupt them a little bit and make them more predictable um, so that you can make sure you're in those right spaces to, to make sure the AD French can make the saves and generate the type of shot she gets. She knows what's coming. Um, and so, yeah, I'm kind of looking at that. I think it's really going to be like Sam Coffey versus whoever they plan to put in midfield to, to, to stay up there to bracket her, to kind of track her. I don't know if they'll, you know, go like, I don't even want to say like, they'll probably do something like man mark. They probably won't do something like that, but I do think they're going to be very aware of the angles and trying to disrupt that and figuring out how to make uh, Portland a little bit more one dimensional. So that's kind of what I've got my eye on. Uh, but I also like your idea of the flank areas too, like the, the wingbacks. That's, that's also a massive one. Yeah, I think coffee has been exceptional and, and, you know, she'll have to keep an eye on Lola Bonta too, which will be yes. a, a demand on both sides of the ball. So um interested to see, I, I think maybe um I'll put it on record so that anybody can tell me how wrong I was. Maybe Anthony Precourt will come up in our mentions. Um I, I think maybe game changer for better or worse, Morgan Weaver. I thought, I think, you know, Sophia Smith, obviously, you know, the season she's had, I think when she's been either absent or maybe they need a, a second outlet, Morgan Weaver's been that that person um, for the Thorns. And I, I actually think the first 20 minutes that that ball was on, you mentioned it earlier in the, this episode, that space was there for Weaver behind Kristen Westfall in the semifinal. And then mm-hmm. San Diego adjusted. And I didn't think we saw much of Weaver. She got an opportunity or two and and, and couldn't finish. Um, so I think, especially against this 3-5-2, there's space you know, in behind those wingbacks, um, you know, I, I think that'll be, you know, but it could be as simple as like, you know, Naomi Gurma handled Sophia Smith in the semifinal and somebody else, whoever, whether it's Ball or Loera or Edmonds, whoever is just, you know, doesn't have the same success and it is Sophia Smith. I don't know, but yeah. I, I think that'll be interesting to to watch um, from Weaver, you know, and then, you know, special game, you know, special players and special moments. So maybe, maybe we uh, circle the, circle Sophia Smith on the the lineup sheet and, you know, a, a few others, obviously. So um, I'm looking forward to it. Um, I, I am excited for the final and um, what I'm sure plenty of people listening to this are, are headed there. What, uh, what are your, what are your tips for local game consumption for uh, I've heard Audi field is not always the friendliest to get into. Um, <laughs> what, what, what do people need to know about going to Audi and maybe, maybe like give us a, where do, where do they need to go? What is the place to experience like DC food, nightlife, mm. whatever? Yeah, that that's that's a lot. It's been <laughs> it, I'll, I'll confess it's been a little while since I actually lived in DC and it's changed a lot. So there there's always a bunch of like new construction, new you know businesses opening up. up. But I can tell you, do not if you can avoid it, don't drive. <laughs> Parking is going to be very difficult. Uh, no matter what, it is not fun to figure out how to park. And then, of course, as you mentioned, like Audi Field is not necessarily like right there. If you park somewhere away, you're probably going to have to walk a mile or so back to your car. So I would try to figure out the metro system. Uh, it's not difficult. Uh, Wamada is is running. It helps. 
uh, to know the metro system uh, and to be able to get there. I do think that, you know, that the, um, the stadium where the Nationals play is pretty close uh, to that. So I think there's a whole like Navy Yard kind of area that has been built up. There's some decent little bars and, and areas to go that aren't too far from the stadium. I think the league is finally trying to make it a little bit of an event. Um, we saw that in Louisville. I was I was happy to see there was a fan fest period and, and maybe at least it's a starting point. So, um, you know, I, it, we'll see. I think I think it sounds like it should be trending toward a packed house, which which we've seen all playoffs, which is great. So um, maybe maybe the important thing to end on. We'll put each other on the spot or I guess I'm putting you on the spot. Who, who you got? <laughs> Kansas City, Portland. Who, who do you think's taking this? Oh, gosh. So I, I I said I made the mistake of doubting Kansas City. I didn't think they were going to get past Houston, and they did. And I said I would never doubt them again. Um, but, Jesus, Portland team makes that hard. <laughs> because <laughs> Sophia Smith, I think, she's, I think she's exceptional. She's like one of my favorite players to watch. And I think bringing Crystal Dunn off the bench is just silliness. Um, so if any team can crack that defense and get a goal and change the way that Kansas City plays, it's absolutely Portland. Then yeah, I just that the vibe in Kansas City just said there's something there's something there, and I just don't know. This is so difficult. I'm, you know what? I think most people are going to lean Portland. I'm going to go with Kansas City, with absolutely no reasoning or evidence other than (laughs) (laughs) I think most people are going to go with Portland. And I promised my I promised Kansas the good folks at Kansas City that I wasn't going to doubt them again. So uh, it's still 2022, so I'm not going to doubt. Fair enough. Fair enough. I, I like the thorns on uh, on matchup on you know talent to a degree, and and I also think um, maybe I'm maybe I'm thinking too much about last year and and you know these various sort of uh, quote unquote teams of destiny type of things. But you know the thorns dealing with um, off field issues and and you know even maybe having to to walk the line of um, how to speak about their own employers in, in a very similar way that the spirit had to last year and they rallied around very different positions of, of, you know, what those teams did in the regular season, obviously. But, um, you know, I think that there's that, that, that is not a reason alone to pick them, but you know, there's that on top of the fact that I just think that, that they're flying and they're clicking on all cylinders right now. Gotham game aside, 45, you know, last <laughs> second half of the Gotham game aside, um, you know, I, I think that they're, they're clicking and, um, you know, I, I like them in this, but I, I'm looking forward to a fun game here. So, oh, I did want to say because I did, I forgot to mention this. Um, and while I was trying to search for places to go and like hang out, Spirit Squadron, the supporter group, um, around um the Spirit are doing a lot of events as well. And I think they they picked out some really cool spots so that are that are familiar with the women's soccer crowd as well. So the Brig, uh, which is a, a beer garden, and I think Solace, uh, Solace Outpost, and As You Are is another spot. So yeah, those three, I think, and you can kind of find out where they're going to be. They have a schedule posted, but yeah, good folks there, um, and uh, they'll be welcoming as well. So like everybody, go and have a good time. Nice. There you go. I finally figured it out. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Well, looking forward to uh, the the game and and those um, pregame festivities, and I guess postgame festivities. Um, somebody's yes. traveling group of fans will be. We'll be very happy after Saturday night's game. It is 8 p.m. Eastern is the, um, I don't want to say kickoff because we've been fooled by that before, but the yes. proper game coverage, there's pregame <laughs> before that from from Paramount Plus that you can watch. But CBS, it's big CBS. It is primetime. It is the. Um, it is not the first final in primetime ever. They did play the 2015 final in primetime, but it was on FS1 on a Thursday. So this is big CBS on a Saturday night, 8 p.m. Eastern, bumping sec football i'm going to assume so it's a big deal and it's Love it's it. what it should be yes. um kansas city versus portland and uh maybe maybe we'll see some of you all there it's uh audi field in washington dc and we will be back after that to talk about who won and who lost and we're looking forward to it andre thank you for joining me on this this latest edition of the pod and uh looking forward to a good game absolutely thanks for having me